I'm so excited that you took the time to join us on the next episode of Beyond the Culture. This is the show where we embrace change and challenge cultural norms and ideals. I'm your host, Dr. David M. Walker. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Beyond the Culture. Listen, we just ended season three of Beyond the Culture, and it was a great season. We had great interviews. We had great conversation. And I'm just excited about season three. Now, we're going to take a few weeks off just to take a little rest. But we'll be back with season four. But while we're on a little break, I want to bring to you each week episodes, and I'm calling them the best of season three. So you don't have to worry. We'll be back each week with a, with an episode of the highlights and the best of season three. But before we get into today's episode, you know, each week I remind you to do me a favor and hit that uh, subscribe button. That's right. Subscribe to Beyond the Culture. And that way, each week when a new episode is uploaded, you get notified that you can listen to the show. And of course, the other thing that I ask you is for you to share the show, share it with someone that, you know, a family member, a relative, a friend, share it with them. That way they will know that Beyond the Culture is on. And I'm sure if you like it, they will like it, too. All right, let's get into this week's episode. I'm calling it Olympic Gold. This season, I had a conversation with two Olympic athletes. The first is Shante Lowe. Shante was a member of the U.S. Olympic team. She competed in four Olympic Games, 2004, 2008, 2012, and 2016. She was a high jumper. She was a three-time uh, championship medalist, and she is a 12-time U.S. national champion. My other interview is with Andrea Boulder. Andrea is an Olympic athlete. She was on the USA 4x400 relay team that competed in the 2000 Summer Olympics in Sydney, Australia. So listen, don't go anywhere. Here's my interview with Shante Lowe and Andrea Boulder, and I'm calling it Olympic Gold. By just saying, well, how did it start? How did you get into sports and athletics? Yeah, uh, it's it's a really interesting story. Um, you know, I was watching the Olympics when I was four years old. And, you know, back in the day when you watch the Olympics, the entire world stops. And so yes, yes. You know, I'm four years old. I'm watching the Olympics, the 1988 Olympics for all y'all that want to do the math. I'm 38. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, you know, I'm watching the Olympics and I see this woman on my screen and her name is Flojo. And she has the long hair, the long nails, the rippling muscles. She's gorgeous. She commands the stadium. She stands at her blocks and performs with excellence. And when I saw her win that 100 meter race and she broke the Olympic record, I believe it was in six point, no, 10.62 seconds. Mm -hmm. I was hooked. I was like, that's it. This is what I want to do with the rest of my life. And I think from that moment, I never turned back. What I recognized later as probably my calling, what I was designed to do, what I was created to do. Um, I just recognized it at a very early age. So, so it's wonderful to hear you say 
I, I, I fell in love with it and I felt like that was my call and that's what I was supposed to do. So you made it to the Olympics and I want to ask you, when did you know that you had the talent to become an Olympic athlete? I think I always believed it. You know, I didn't have a lot of people around me telling me that I didn't have the talent. So when I was four is when I believed that I had the talent to become an Olympian. Now, track and field has like, I think, 32 different events. I don't okay. know. S several events. Right. And I didn't know what that event would be. So when I started competing in high school is when it when I kind of shook off all the other events where where I wasn't necessarily excelling in, but I had a passion for jumping. So on top of hearing that call or seeing something that I'm interested in, intrigued by, I had a deep rooted passion. And I think as parents, when you take it back to that scripture you were talking about, it's great when you identify your, your child's skills and then combine it with their passions, what they love to do. Cause I could jump all day and I wouldn't get tired. You know, they're having to beg me to come in. All right, practice is over. We got to go home. And so, um, you know, in high school, I really found that I was great at high jumping and I excelled in it and I was passionate about it. I was willing to put in the work and um, it felt like fun to me instead okay. of like labor, a, a, um, a hard, laborious process. It was a lot of fun. So that's how I knew that more than likely I would go to the Olympics as a high jumper when I was in high school. Shante, I want to, you know, on our show Beyond the Culture, we 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 go beyond the culture. We really try to bring out those things that are very impactful, not only to people's personal lives, because we know that whatever you've experienced, we're sure that someone else that's listening has gone through the same thing. Um, let me just read this. And because uh, it says in the summer of 2019, mm -hmm. you were diagnosed with breast cancer. Yes. And uh, you went through chemo mm -hmm. and you had a mastectomy. But you decided that you were going to fight mm -hmm. what you were experiencing and that you were not going to allow it to get uh, uh, the best of you. As mm -hmm. a matter of fact, you even started training for the uh, Tokyo Olympics. Um, when I met you, you started talking about your experience with breast cancer. And I shared with you that my mom is a breast cancer survivor. I have a sister-in-law that's a yeah. breast cancer survivor. So hearing your story was very encouraging uh, for me just to know that, you know, what my, my, my relatives experience, there's mm -hmm. someone else who've gone through the same thing and especially someone of your caliber. So my question is, I, I'd just like for you to share with us, you know, what is your message to, women and men who have experienced uh, breast cancer because you survived it. What, what is your message to them? Yeah, I think that even you being able to point out that, you know, one or two people, you know, two people very, very close to you that have experienced it. Even myself, I know several people very close to me that, that have experienced it, including myself. And, you know, the first thing that I want people to understand that this is a, is a true threat. Mm. It, it is. Um, the, the statistics are that one in eight women in their lifetime in the United States will be diagnosed with breast cancer. And the reason for me sharing my journey and being so transparent with it is because I want those numbers to change. I'm a woman of faith, so I don't believe in perpetuating fear, but at the same time, I also believe in being aware. I think that if you don't know who or what your enemy is, you would not know how to fight. Right. And I think that 
it's very important for women to understand their risks. It's very, for me, I found the breast cancer myself by doing self breast exams because of another woman's story that I heard. Um, Society, our rules, regulations, insurance practices dictate that we should start caring about breast breast health at the age of 40. Mm. I was diagnosed. I was misdiagnosed at 34 and officially diagnosed at 35. So with the aggressive, fast growing form of breast cancer that I had, Had I waited to my 40th birthday, more than likely it would have been either later stage or I wouldn't be here. And so it's very important to be vigilant. Know the um, know your your breast normal. If there's dump, uh, uh, sorry, um, dents, bumps, um, skin changes immediately alert your doctor. And I think even for men, if you have the hereditary disposition in your family, on your women, on the women's side, to um, having breast cancer, then you also have a chance of having breast cancer. So you really need to go to resources like Susan G. Coleman or the American Cancer Society and find out how you could be vigilant in protecting your body as well. Do you feel like your story is inspiring other women to take action? I I know it is. And I only know that because they tell me. Good. Um, they, I get messages on social media very regularly of people letting me know that they were recently diagnosed. Um, they know someone who's diagnosed. And, and I really t- try my hardest to answer as many of those messages as possible. And it hurts me that I don't get to all of them. But um, if I didn't hear somebody else's story, I wouldn't have taken action. So I think that it's my job to share what I've went through and share my experiences because right now, our best defense right now is early detection. And so we I'm doing everything that I can on my part. But um, I've been blessed with an amazing platform because of athletics, because of the Olympics. And I'm using it to the best of my ability to really spread this message about early detection and awareness. If I may, here's another scripture that just ran through my head to whom much is given, much yeah. is expected. And sometimes... Yeah your own personal experience experiences that comes a responsibility yeah, to share and to make sure that others get the, the appropriate information. Shantae, this, this conversation that we're having, I mean, it's just outstanding and I'm truly enjoying it and I'm, we're getting ready to bring it to a close, but I asked all of and you've shared so many wonderful things so far, but I always ask this question of all of my guests, because again, our show is beyond the culture And it's the show where we embrace change and we challenge cultural norms and ideals. And so I want to ask you, uh, with all that you've done, whether it's in the Olympic world or dealing with breast cancer, anything, or being a mom, a wife, you know, all those different things. How would you say you have embraced change and uh, challenged any kind of, you know, cultural norm or traditional norm? You've taken it head on and said, we've got to change things. Uh, and have a greater impact. What would you say that is? Absolutely. So mine is a culmination of everything coming together. You mentioned earlier about defining moments. And for me, um, I always thought that my defining moment would be getting an Olympic medal, placing it around my neck, you know, having the national anthem played and people cheering. But the reality is my defining moment was me sweating in a garage with a bandana tied around my head in a faded sweater telling everyone that I was diagnosed with breast cancer. 
And the more research that I did, the more I understood that African-American women are 40% more likely to die of breast cancer than our white counterparts. There are a tremendous amount of factors that contribute to Black women having less favorable outcomes and, you know, systemic racism, lack of education, um, um, lack of access to resources. I could go on. And I felt like you know, I was in a privileged position because I had the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee insurance. But I'm sitting here watching my sister, not my literal sister, but my sister going through the same battle, yet having a completely different experience because she didn't have that privilege. And in my opinion, it's wrong. It hurt. Hmm. It's wrong. She was a mother also. She is a mother also. And so, um, I felt like it was really, really important to take my platform, the doors that I have open to me and make this statistic aware, uh, make people statistic, make people aware of the statistic. And I had a lot of amazing organizations aligned behind me um, to be able to do something about it. And so one of my sponsors, our partners, Eli Lilly Pharmaceutical Company, they partnered with Susan G. Komen. And now all of us together are finding ways to tackle the racial disparities with breast cancer outcomes for Black women specifically head on. And I would like to see legislation change. So that's why I'm working with the American Cancer Society to change the rules that say you have to wait till 40 when women, when the research is suggesting that it needs to happen much earlier. So I think that if I just, it says faith without works is dead. Mm. <laughs> I can sit back and hope that things will change. But until I actually put my foot to the pavement, my mouth to the megaphone and um, my muscle to whatever. <laughs> <nothing> <laughs> You're listening to the best of beyond the culture season three. Now here's my interview with Andrea Boulder. You know, that's, that's a feeling that, I wish everyone could actually feel it's your dreams and your, uh, your wishes and your goals come in the past. Yes. You put in the hard work, you put in the time and the dedication and sometimes there's ups, obstacles, you know, ups and downs Absolutely. and you have to overcome obstacles, but you make it, you get there. And of course you're thanking God. You're thanking all your supporters, everyone who believed in you, even when you may have not have believed in yourself. Right. Um, and and that's just an experience that I'm sure you as well as I wish that everyone could experience arriving to your point of destiny and to the place that you have been called, you know, to cut to get to. And yeah. so now you have made it. You're an Olympic athlete. You're on the team. Uh, this is the 2000 Olympics in Sydney, Australia. So I know you got a passport. <laughs> yes. yes, I did. <laughs> I know you got a passport. Actually, you know, I, I don't think I actually had a passport before <laughs> I had gone to the trials. Okay. But when you make the team, for whatever reason, at that time, they were like, okay, sign these papers. And I had my passport in like two weeks. Wow. So before we left, <laughs> I, I had a passport. Okay. So, <laughs> so so I was good to go because <laughs> I, sure, I, wasn't, I wasn't prepared. <laughs> so. Wow. Wow. So, so, so you're at the Olympics and your team, that four by 400 relay team wins the gold medal. Yes. You, you, you come in first, you competed in the preliminaries and then you ran in the semifinals. Um, and, 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 and so you win the gold medal 
you are awarded a medal with all of your teammates mm-hmm. and life goes on. Yes. Uh, 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 you're living in the glory of the goal. You're telling yes. your story, but something gets added to your Olympic journey, your Olympic gold medal win. Share that story with us. So many years later, uh, we start hearing rumblings that one of the team members, um, you may be familiar with her name, Marion Jones, had tested positive for a and I, I, you know, it, at the time, it wasn't necessarily even a banned su- substance. It was like this mystery substance that um, some lab, I think it was Falco, had had created. And it was this whole big, big thing. And she was mixed up in it, which, of course, now everybody was um, at the point where, well, um, and I, at that at that time, I think she was going for five medals. I think she was mm-hmm. going for the one and the two individual, both of the relays and um, the long jump. So she was trying to get, you know, medal in five different events and going into that Olympics. We all knew what the mission was. It was let's help, you know, our star <laughs> athlete get these medals. And that was kind of the the vibe. And which, which is fine. You know, we're all there. We're all there to win. Um, you know, we, we want to see her win. We want to see her represent the United States. We want to be um, a, a winning um, delegation. Uh, and but when we get home years later, it comes to pass that um, once they kind of went through all of these trials and tribulations and the news broke about um, Balco and and all of these illegal um, substances and, and things of that nature, that she was directly tied to that that scandal, which put our medals or everything that we had done in that Olymp- Olympics um, in jeopardy. So they went on to uh, try to negate the results from the the Olympics or all of the events that she had run in. And obviously she had run the finals in the four by 400 meter relay. So that affects all of the relay team mm-hmm. members, including the members on the four by 100 meter relay as well. Wow! So we had to um, get representation or actually we were, presented with representation on how to fight this. And it took a couple of years for us going back and forth with, uh, I think like the IOC and um, hearings and delegations. And some people wanted to be a part of it. Some people didn't, it, but it was one of those things where you, you go, you share your story, you try to find out how you can keep everything that you've worked so hard for. Um, obviously at that time I, I was not running anymore. Mm-hmm. I was um, a biotech consultant, so I used my UCLA degree to sure. to then uh, get a a corporate job. But every, I remember for like every day for about two or three months, I would be on the phone during work <laughs> with a group of girls who um, and and our lawyer at the time who was trying to fight to to keep our our medals right. And it was one of those um, long drawn out processes. But at the end of the day, we ended up being able to, they granted us the 
I don't want to say the opportunity, but they um, they they ruled in our favor that we should be able to keep and secure our medals. So that's where we ended up. We were able to um, keep our results, keep our medals, and I don't want to say it it went away, but it kind of from there on it just was one of those one of those things. Obviously, Marion, she had to. There were some things that she had to go through, uh, you know, legally that prevented her, I believe, from um, continuing on in, in, in the sport the way that she should. But yeah. But, ori- but originally they had disqualified the team. They did. Right. So, yeah. So they disqualified the team and because of the situation, because of the illegal uh, uh, drugs. And I think it, it actually went into the record of disqualification. But then you had legal representative representation yeah, so we appealed, to yeah you um, appealed it that's right appeal the initial decision mm-hmm. um for them to strip our our medals right um so that was the appeal process right and it's called the court of arbitration ruled in yes, your the favor court of arbitration, absolutely. that you should keep mm-hmm. those medals and you had nothing to do with what your teammate had done Yes, exactly. So we had, um, we had gone through this process. There were, you know, there's test testimony. I think one of the ladies actually went to, um, I believe it's Sweden or somewhere over there. (laughs) I can't remember exactly where, where it is, but, um, somewhere in Europe, um, where they have this quarter arbitration, where they look over, Um, You basically are going into a a trial. So she represented us as a whole. But um, yeah, so we they they ended up ruling in our favor, um, thanks to a lot of hard work from a lot of supportive people. And we were able to secure our medals and keep our names on on the record books. So what what kind of uh, life lesson did you learn from that experience? I mean, I'm sure you that was I mean, I can't imagine. I'm not going to try to imagine, but what was your life lesson from that entire experience? And then how have you used it going forward? Yeah, I I think the the biggest lesson was that even if they take away the trophies, what you have accomplished in your life, what you have fought for, what you have done to help serve or whether that's through entertainment or through being a coach or through being an athlete, that that is what really matters. And it's the accomplishment, not the jewelry or the ring mm-hmm. or the trophy or the accolade that is what you're striving for. You're striving for the accomplishment, for the moment, for that feeling that we talked about earlier of, I really did something that only a small percentage of people in the world ever get a chance to experience. And one way or another, it didn't matter to me that there was a possibility that I could not have my name in the record books. In my heart, I knew what I did. Sure. Um, and, and that was what, what counted. So in life, even when you win, and then find out that sometimes you got to lose <laughs> on the back of that win. It's how do you keep going and being thankful for the things that you have accomplished? And I think that is the 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 lesson that I that I've learned through that process. You know that 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 sounds like the right perspective about life because so many people put it on the trophy. It's all mm-hmm. about the ultimate goal. Oh, yeah, we all want trophies on our 
you know, on the shelf, right? We all want rings on the finger. Um, but that is not what's in, most important about life. Of course, it's always about learning. It's always about how are you going to respond in your most difficult moments? What's going right. to be your reaction? How will you come through? And then, and here's something else, and you ju- you're doing it right now with this audience. How can you help someone else with what they're going through uh, based on what happened to you? Because we all experience similar scenarios and situation. And sometimes what you go through is not just for you, but it's for someone else too. Absolutely. Yes. And I've had so many people come up and say, um, you know, I, I saw you on TV and I saw you run and you gave me inspiration to continue running or continue um, having the confidence to work through. I was going to quit, but then I saw you and then I kept going. And those are the moments that are more important, that are more impactful then bringing, coming home and showing somebody that you want a gold medal because it's the journey that people are following. They're invested in your story. They're invested in, um, I, I have people, especially in, in Long Beach and coming from Long Beach Poly, who have been following me since club, tra- club track. Wow. And when I got to the Olympics, they were like, I always knew you were going to make it and your story is so awesome. But people are looking and they're following and they're getting inspiration and they're telling stories about you to their kids and to their loved ones in the hopes that it would be an example that other people can follow on. This is how you can get from point A to point Z, even with all the obstacles, this is what, if you keep trying, if you keep working hard, this is what can happen. So it's just an example. And I think a lot of times we miss that point where everybody's looking for the win at the end. They're looking for the the gold or the championship ring, but it's really about the journey. That is Mm. the gold right there. Hey, thanks for listening to The Best of Beyond the Culture, Season 3. We'll see you next week. Now, if you want to continue to hear inspiring interviews like the one you heard today, I want you to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite streaming platform. Also, rate the show and please leave a comment. I would also love it if you would share this podcast with your friends to let them know that we're on. Finally, you can email me at beyondtheculturepodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. This is your host, Dr. David M. Walker, and we'll talk again on Beyond the Culture. Take care.